We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 161 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Muso. Plenty to get to today it is a golf pod. It is a sports are back pod. It is a uh, questions that a man has to deal with uh, when facing the game of golf in a multitude of ways pod. Yeah. So Matt, before we get to all of those things, how are you? Uh, Tiger's back, so I'm good. Tiger's back. How about Tiger's yourself? Back. Not just yet. Uh, tease off twelve seventeen Central. That's one seventeen Eastern at the Memorial uh, at Jack's place. I mean, right now at the time of recording this, it's just about ten o'clock in the morning uh, East Coast time. So a few hours yet to be played, but scores are not as low as they were a week ago. They said that there were going to be two different courses. I was kind of like, how are you going to do that? Same course with what three days? Three in days between to turn from around Sunday to Thursday. Um, but they did grow the rough a bit. I guess they were. How do you grow the rough the, that quickly? Well, they were lushing out the rough throughout the week, so it was getting progressively okay. harder. I don't think they've touched it since Monday of last week. I think so. Like it's kind of where they want it right now. They were dealing with it at a progressive level throughout last week. Um, but the biggest difference here is where they're putting some of the tees and the speed of the greens. Jack said the greens were going to roll about two feet faster on average across the course, and I'm sure by Sunday that'll be even faster as they sort of bake out and um, and get a little bit yellow. Um, one thing to note is that after this tournament, massive renovations are coming at Muirfield Village, apparently. Jack said they're redoing a bunch of the holes, so I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to um, really get this thing to the brink by Sunday because you're you're not ruining yeah, the course if, if you don't really for care next about week's players. It. Yeah, burn it out and see how good the best in the world are on linoleum greens. Is might what we might be what we see on Sunday. Um, but I guess we just kind of went down the golf route there. So let's uh, let's start off there, Matt. Um, to answer your question, I am well because uh, as you know. said, as you said, anytime Tiger Woods is in action, uh, it piques our interest. So. Uh, Tiger in search of win number 83 this weekend at Jack's place. What better place to take the title of most career wins on the PGA Tour? Currently tied with Sam Snead at 82, but uh, it's one of a myriad of storylines at Muirfield Village this weekend. I mean, you got the Bryson and Brooks set up, which... Uh, they're playing together, right? No, they are not. They were not oh, paired so together. So, together. no, that, that was awesome. that was that was the big push from Bonus the buyer public. Brooks is right about Bryson being on steroids. Go, uh, sell. So. I think that that's just like a, a brawny man right yeah, now. Yeah, no, but, I think so too. Uh, He's not nearly sell, cut but, enough. By ourselves, Bryson makes it to the end of next season without a major injury, sell as well. Um, but different conversation for a different day. But uh, Bryson and Brooks kind of having their uh, their tiff on social media could come to real life here on course if they do find themselves in the same neighborhood Saturday or Sunday uh, that would be very interesting uh, you got all the top players in the world it plays out like a major championship field just a lot going on this weekend at Muirfield Village uh, back-to-back tournaments Matt a little bit of a uh, little bit of Moose and Runes trivia for you here Ooh, could you that. tell me could you tell me the year and the location the last time the PGA Tour played consecutive weeks at the same place I could not 1957, it's a Chicagoland area course. I mean, were they, was it was Dubs? Was it Cog Hill? Tam O'Shanter. Uh, I didn't which even is know that. Is. 
It is currently a nine hole. It used to be 18. It's currently a nine hole up in Niles. It's actually where I was taught the game by my father. Kind wow. of a shorty little track, but it was something completely different back really, in the day. Really apparently. tying things together, bring it all for full circle, huh? That's what it is. Got to make it about me. Got to make it about me. But Timo Shanter back in 1957 was the last time the two were played back-to-back weeks at the same venue. Uh, they do that this week at Jack's Place. What do you got your eye on? You know, I I was just thinking while we were talking about or how, when you started that trivia question, how last week's guys were going to play and kind of how maybe you might see a Justin Thomas or a Colin Morikawa build on that you know, success last week, how would Justin Thomas respond to kind of giving away giving it away in the playoff? Both of them are over par through five holes. Mark Howe is one over through five, Thomas is two. Actually to see Bryson is also two over through five. So that was obviously other than Tiger. I wanted to see how, you know, the leaders from last week were, you know, playing the same course, but like you said, kind of a different course and kind of how all these players approach what like like you said, while it is the same course you know, completely different greens. We're, we're, we're growing out the rough, we're moving around tees, how those guys kind of maneuver the course differently this time around rather than last week. And obviously, I want to see Tiger. I mean, that's just yes. a given. Um, hopefully, you know, with Tiger kind of implementing his new schedule, and I think it was a little bit uh, uh, infused, the strategy by this whole COVID-19 thing. But, um, you know, we're only going to see him at most eight times a season now. Yeah. I think he's going to play four majors and one gear up tournament for each major, um, which I'm fine with, but that, you know, thinking about that getting less tiger on a regular basis, it just makes us so, it makes us tiger fans so much more crazed when we do get into a week where he is out there. So I'm going to have a hard time tempering my expectation for Tiger because every uh, time Tiger time, goes out, we're going to think he's going to win. We're going to want him to win. We're going to get excited about that. So it's a, don't, don't worry about tempering your expectations. Yeah. So uh, his, he was, I think seventh or eighth best odds to win the tournament this week at 18 to one Bryson DeChambeau, your odds on favor to win at 10 to one. I think that number's a little bit inflated here. I, I understand what, ty- what uh, Bryson's doing is new. I understand that it is um, in some ways people are seeing it as a, a bit of a cut corner, no pun intended, mm-hmm. a, a bit of a cheat code. Um, but the young man worked hard. Um, he's pounding the golf ball. He's doing it a different way. Um, but it does, I, I kind of want to pose this to you in a question. You know sure. how I feel about this. Let the man go out there and golf his ball, see if he's the best one out there. I don't think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are saying that, you know, last week we saw Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas stand in the fairway and pure iron shots, hit amazing five woods, hit all these mm-hmm. great shots, rather than just bombing driver and gouging wedge. Um, the week prior, we saw Bryson DeChambeau bomb driver and gouge wedge on the way to a Rocket Mortgage Classic uh, mm-hmm. victory. Do you think that one brand of golf is more suitable for the fan than another? Uh, I mean, I think once the novelty wears off from Bryson hitting it a country mile, it does get a bit repetitive. I think having golfers with these different skill sets is actually, like, I don't want you know all these golfers to be the same and kind of have those same skill sets. I like that you know, one week we might, I mean, obviously last week we had Morikawa and Thomas, who, like you were saying, weren't as long and we're having to craft five woods and all that. Weekend before, like I said, we had DeChambeau and Wolf, who were both kind of the same player, bombing drives off the tee, hitting wedges. I thought both were equally exciting. And I like, you know, having the possibility of the difference of, you know, a Justin Thomas and Bryson, two different types of golfers in a final pairing and kind of seeing how they attack holes differently. So, no, I don't think either one necessarily benefits the fan more often. Obviously, the, the long driver might um, captivate the 
super casual fan a little bit more who just you know kind of tunes in for the fireworks. But I think yeah. the diehard fan doesn't really. I mean, that wedge shot that you're able to pull in from, you know, pull off from certain spots and attack certain flags is just as impressive for me as sometimes as you know a, a five wood that you can run up to a green from far away. So I think all these different types of shots are good for golf, and I, I I'm glad that we have you know a a new different you know skill set, new mindset that we haven't really seen. Obviously, we've seen the bombers before, but not really to this extent. I'm happy we have kind of something new to see. I don't think it's sustainable, but for now, yeah, I'm I'm pumped to see it. I'm pumped that we have kind of these different viewpoints of the game. You're not worried about um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the sanctity of the game. You're not worried about um, two years from now having a bunch of beefcakes on tour just trying to hit it a country mile. No, because I think golf will find ways to. I mean, if they, if it really gets to an extent, uh, you know, too extreme to an extent, they can you know kind of dumb golf balls a little bit. They can go you know. Uh, crack down harder on you know uh, yeah, that's, regulations that's and stuff for clubs and drivers that's something they've been wildly unwilling to do is temper the technology of it um which no, is wait, what, I what, I, what i think is bryson is the the you know, kind of the flavor of the week right now much like dustin johnson has been you know was for a, a time and people were saying how far he hit the ball was gonna be bad for golf i think everything's going to even itself out in the end because as long as it, it becomes bad for golf if Bryson is winning every week and then everybody yeah. starts taking after him. I mean, he's one over through six now. I mean, not to say that he can't win, but like it just because he hits the ball that far doesn't mean he's going to win because he still has to be a complete package. And like we saw in uh, the Rocket Mortgage, he had to be absolutely perfect with his wedges for the most part to win that tournament. And he's almost never perfect with his wedges. So he's always going to have that long driving, you know, aspect mm-hmm. to him. But he, he's going to have trouble I think regularly putting together unless we're seeing run, you know, week after week after week that he's winning I don't think you'll see all these copycats you might see a few but I don't think everybody's going to try and do it and I think the one thing we are going to see the next time Bryson is in contention and let's say it does come against someone who's a little bit more of a traditionalist in the way they go about golfing their ball um, I think you're going to see that the putter's the great equalizer and we mm-hmm. saw that in the playoff last week between Morikawa and Justin Thomas, JT hit the 50-footer. Morikawa hits a 24-footer. I mean, they're just trading blows on the green. It, it doesn't matter how you get there, and there's no pictures on the scorecard. It's how many it took you to get it to the bottom of the cup, mm-hmm. and oftentimes the putter is the deciding factor there. So I, I'm not worried about it either, I guess, is the point that I'm trying to make here. But, uh, Matt, anything come to mind uh, on tour before we head to another topic here? I just feel like we haven't given Tiger his just due. We are recording this prior to his opening round, so we'll have plenty of thoughts next week on the pod about the way he did play, but um, anything else about the man in red for you? Yeah, I was going to say, well, I have two things, one Tiger, one not one. I was just kind of thinking about this while we were talking about you know Tiger's new schedule and all that. I would love to see like an itinerary for Tiger on the morning that he's about to play golf. So remember mm-hmm. before the Masters when that kind of got bumped up? You want up? like his, his Mark I, Wahlberg I, I morning? I want what he's doing. Like, hey, you know, like, I wake yeah. up. Yeah, I, it's 6.15. I eat my oatmeal. It, you know, whatever. I want to see, you know, when he's stretching, what he, you know, when he's going to hit balls, when he goes back to stretch, what he's having. I, I would love, I'd be fascinated to see that because he said like with that Masters bump up time when they're teeing off at 9, he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. well, I got to be up at like, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock. Now, I want to know what he's doing for those five hours yeah. before. Now, you know what I mean? Also, I just want to know revving the engine, getting the back loop. Exactly. I want to know what that entails because I want to start that routine before my. That's you want that. Okay. I don't want to be playing Call of Duty up until sixty minutes before my tee time and then zoom to the course. I want that five hours to be you know getting myself ready. Maybe I could be the next Tiger. What if Tiger? What if Tiger told you that Call of Duty was a part of his five hour warm up? Well, because he's a 
he's I mean he's a supporter of the military. That's true. I believe in the past he Gets has in the right he mindset. Play video. He does play video games, so it might not be as far fetched as you think. I think we got to. I think we got to figure out what his gamer tag is. Get him. We got to get him in the squad. Get, get him trapped with us. <laughs> um, Reach but, out uh, to him. See if he needs a good helo, man. Uh, Tiger is dropping one place this weekend. That is Muirfield Village for the Memorial. Oh. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. You got any I'm sure with week? all the best. You got anybody? You got any, uh, any, yes. Any long shots? I, I threw, threw together a little top ten parlay with uh, Patrick Cantlay, Abraham Answer, and Rory McIlroy all finishing in the top ten. Okay. Um, and then the way Answer's I've been playing it. Nice start. The way uh, the way I've been playing it is, I'll throw out a couple more bets on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, once you kind of have a sample size of what these guys have done over three days, it makes much more sense then to bet matchups for Sunday. So I've been betting Sunday matchups. Yeah, you've been big on the matchups. I, I feel like I get a Sunday morning text from you just about every you know m- most golf weeks about these matchups. Yeah, it, it's an yeah, interesting so- way to go about it. Sunday matchups are one of the more exploitable ways to bet golf right now because you have that three-day precedent and sort of the ethos behind it. I want to say I offered this on our last podcast, but um, the ethos behind it is you find a guy who is gaining strokes tee to green, who's, who's hitting the ball really well, but the putting's not there. And you bet him against a guy who's putting it really, really well. So their strokes gained putting statistics are really well, but they're not gaining strokes out in the field because it's more likely that a guy's going to get hot. It's more likely that a professional is going to get a hot putter and continue to hit it well than a guy's putter is going to stay hot and he's going to figure out how to hit it. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a little convoluted. Yeah, it but sounds like you, a lot. You want to you want to you want to exploit a player who's hitting the ball well and not putting because it's likely that they will start putting at some point in the near future. Okay, I get that. The, because putting is... I'm still going to text you on tour. Saturday night and see what you bet, so I don't have to do Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to... Yeah. Exactly. Um, the guy, these guys on tour, their putting statistics are, are so... I mean, you know, we talk about guys who are amazing putters and guys who really kind of pace the field in putting, but the separation is so small when it comes to how well these guys play it around the green. Mm-hmm. Well... So that that giving credence to the point, they're going to start making putts at some point. Pick the guy who's hitting the ball really well. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that's the thought process. Uh, sorry, you kind of opened up Pandora's box there, but that's how we've been doing it lately uh, for the PGA Tour. It's the only thing to wager on, but not for long. Uh, baseball is on its way back. We get baseball a week from today, today being Thursday. Uh, we get a little bit of hockey on the way. Got things to talk about in both of those veins. Let's go baseball first, Matt. Love it. Some tough news for White Sox and White Sox fans. Um, the wait for Michael Kopech continues. Uh, he's going to be sidelined this entire season. They're not going to. Uh, they're not going to put him out there on the mound. Which, with how wide open it is, and with how much firepower the White Sox have offensively, it, it was going to be a weird introduction to Michael Kopech or reintroduction. Mm-hmm. But it seemed perfect. It seemed like maybe this young gun came at just the right time to make us a contender, and then they tell us he's not available. Your initial reaction to all of this? Uh, My initial reaction was, I don't want to say all that shocked, because when the team started reporting back, he he was granted the leave of absence. And I don't think that – I think he kind of knew something was up there. He thought either maybe he was one of the positive tests for COVID-19 or he was, you know, actually not – considering not coming back. So I'm not totally um, shocked at the news. That said, I, I am 
obviously a little bit bummed we don't get to see Michael Kopech, you know, back this year. It seems like he was, you know, this would have been a perfect time for him being, you know, having extra time to recover from Tommy John. That said, kind of the more you think about it, even though he did have plenty of time to recover and, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's all healthy now. Is a 60-game sprint kind of the best way to go about bringing a young kid back from Tommy John surgery? Probably not. Yeah, um, I'm, not saying, I'm him, not saying I wouldn't love to see him. every fifth day, I'm whether that lines up I'm on not, his start day or not. I'm not saying I wouldn't love to see him. Um, but also, and another thing I'm kind of thankful for is that Carlos, this is delayed long enough that Carlos Rodon is also now healthy enough to come back from Tommy John. Well, I might not be able to bank on him being fully healthy for 60 games. Um, this is he, He's kind of the guy that we were expecting to come back you know mid-season and maybe be in the bullpen maybe be a swing starter now he has had time to recover and he's also fully recovered he can kind of slot into that spot in the rotation and as much as I would have loved to see Michael Kopech I mean Carlos Rodon is still a very very talented pitcher and I think the Sox still have some pitching depth um so I I, I'm bummed uh and honestly I'm a little bit more worried about the long term now than I am about this season um this season would have been nice to have him, but this is, you know, again, not that he can control Tommy John, but, you know, it's it's starting to become something every year with Kopech, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit concerned about what's going forward. And again, you can't blame him if he wants to, you know, for health reasons, sit out this year, but again, it's just, it's another year that he's not on the field. Yeah, it feels like Michael Kopech's been a White Sox for a decade now, and we've, we've seen, seen him pitch three pitches. games, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, um, it's unfortunate because I thought that he could perhaps be, you know, one of these really young, exciting pieces that do make the Sox a serious contender this year. And I understand your point that they still can be a contender without Michael Kopech, but Mm -hmm. it was this youth movement, this idea Mm -hmm. of the future being on display uh, in this crucible of 60 games. But um, yeah, can't knock the guy for wanting to be in the prime position to go about his business, be healthy and go about it the right way. I'm no doctor and I'm sure Michael Kopech is throwing a baseball, but I think that some live innings might be good for a kid coming off of Tommy John. Now you're going to be two, almost two and a half years removed yeah, from Tommy from, John. Didn't he have his surgery in 2018? Yeah. Two and a half years removed from Tommy John surgery once you tow the rubber for the first time in a competitive game next season. Maybe not physically, but I worry about the mental reignition of Michael Kopech in that yeah. instance. But what do I know? Uh, I mean, I, I would say going forward now, now I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm much more on the, I don't know where he's at mentally just about ever because I know he's had some mental health issues in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure whatever he's going through right now isn't great for him either. And I, I think Don Cooper, whether it was accidentally or not, said we're kind of worried about the kid because he hasn't really talked to many of us. Um, so I, I think you hope that everything's all right. He, he's not, you know, there's there's no serious issues with him or that. Now, obviously you want him back on the field, but hopefully the guy's okay. Um, but on the bright side, I, I want to switch to the bright, thing, the bright side about the White Sox and not just to plug the brand, but we've been streaming the, uh, the Sox inter-squad games on, on our app. And then the last thing yesterday and today are actually on NBC Sports Chicago. Mom and the, these kids are fun to watch. Mom you see, did you see uh, Of course, you got to throw in the plug, Joe. Um, but did you see that it went kind of semi-viral? I think it was from Monday, Louis, or it was either Sunday or Monday. Luis Robert hit a home run while falling down to a knee. Like he literally, he, I did see he, that. that. I he was, did. I was terrified cool. towards ACL uh, when I saw that clip. But it's it been was fun a, to see him. 
semi Juan Uribe sort of uh, finish there. It was like a Juan it's, Uribe it was, finish, it was more but then, of a like, he completed like the, kind of the, the turn and fell on It was a plie. It was a full plie. Uh, but um, from, from all accounts from the veterans, Dallas Keuchel has been saying he's been the, – the kid looks unreal. Everybody's saying he looks like he's the real deal. Obviously, he's got to do it in the game. But um, I'm getting very, very excited about Luis Robert. Well, you know, weeks ago I was trying to temper expectations. Months ago while we, you know, we were waiting for the bill at the regular opening day. But the the closer we get, and the more I'm hearing people talk about him and seeing stuff like that, um, it, it's it's hard to not get really excited about that kid. Yeah, um, I think that there's good reason for excitement across uh, the White Sox roster right now. Uh, Cubbies gearing up for their season as well. It will be the Cubs and the Brewers eight days from today. The White Sox and the Twins. Twins. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, uh, for game one of sixty, they all count for three essentially, or two point whatever, whatever. Uh, good math. But, uh, Baseball is back. It's on the way, and uh, we are looking forward to it. But uh, we got some other news to get to here, Matt. Uh, yesterday, yesterday being Wednesday, the NFL franchise tag deadline came and went at 4 o'clock. Some deals were done. Others notably were not. Uh, Dak Prescott will play next season under the franchise tag for $31.4 million, all guaranteed. But what isn't guaranteed is his long-term future in Dallas. They're unable to come to uh, terms on a deal. Dak apparently wanted to lop off that fourth year, or excuse me, that fifth year still. Uh, they couldn't come to terms on it. Uh, the Cowboys were offering somewhere in the 33 to $35 million annually range with upwards of $109 million guaranteed, but they wanted the fifth year. Dak wouldn't budge. I mean, where do you stand on all this? Dak statistically has been fantastic. Last year, he let, it was last year was his best statistical career of his year by any measure. Uh, but in terms of passing yards, it was his best year passing, and he still led the league in drops. There were 40-something drops by uh, Dallas Cowboys last year. Um, so, so Dak, I feel like, has made the statistical case it hasn't necessarily gotten them to where they want to be as one of the best teams in the NFL, or at least one of the most productive teams in the NFL. I'd argue that it is one of the, I'd argue it's the second best offense in the NFL behind the chiefs Mm -hmm. uh, and likely will be again this season. But, you know, do you reward Dak for statistical, uh, for statistical stat sheet filling type stuff? Or are you comfortable letting your quarterback play on the franchise tag um, knowing that he might not be your quarterback in a couple of years. I'm just really, I, I guess I shouldn't be because it's Jerry Jones, but I'm just floored that these two couldn't find common ground over one year. It's not like one was looking for a three-year deal and one was looking for a six-year deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the difference between four and five, it's, it's pretty shocking to me. They couldn't somehow financially come up with, you know, one way to compensate the other for giving in. The um, interesting thing here, Matt, is that, our insider, Patrick Walker, he's our Cowboy insider at CBS Sports. He said yesterday that, you know, Jerry Jones has long prided himself in, he, as he says, not getting hand cramps when it comes time to write the checks. Mm-hmm. Like Jerry's willing to write the checks. There's an understanding inside of Cowboys camp that this was a Stephen Jones uh, dealing, that, that he kind of botched this and dad's not too happy with him. Um, is the understanding there. Now, I'm sure Jerry had a certain directive and he was the end-all, be-all, so I'm not going to wipe him clean of any wrongdoing here, but um, apparently Stephen Jones kind of headed this negotiation with that. I mean, that would make sense because it would be going into, what was it, last year, the year before, the, the big you know, conversation topic with the Cowboys was 
Zeke, Dak, and Amari were all going to be up. Kind of, were they going to be able to keep all three? Who was going to sign? The two of them have been paid. The two of them were paid. Not only that, like (laughs) there weren't contract dispute discussions. There was, I mean, granted, it's a quarterback. A little bit with Zeke. A little bit with Zeke. Okay, a little, but not like not like this. Not even close to this. But for the most part, those were fairly easy negotiations, and the the player got what they got uh, and got what they wanted. Excuse me, for the most part, and. I was kind of, you know, expecting any day now Dak to get that deal that he wanted, and that that would make sense now if Jerry wasn't necessarily heading up negotiations. Granted, like you said, he probably if he really wanted Dak that badly, he could have stepped in. That tells me to leads me to believe that I, I think he values Zeke and Amari Cooper more than Dak Prescott in the kind of cowboy hierarchy. Which um, is wild. It, it because is a little. You're going to see next season. God forbid Dak gets hurt. You're going to see Andy Dalton and take the reins. And I, I honestly think that Dallas believes that this scheme, this offense with these players that they could win with Andy Dalton and they're wrong. Uh, you, you can't. It, maybe maybe you win the NFC East because it's often a 8-8 eight and eight dumpster fire across the board, but you're not winning anything behind the NFC East with Andy Dalton under center. And I think Dak is the type of quarterback that takes you over uh, that realm of can we win a Super Bowl with this guy? I think the answer for Dak is yes. I think yes. The answer for Andy Dalton is no. Uh, I think that once Dak does get a taste of Super Bowl success or playoff success, that he's going to become even more dangerous. I- I'm a big believer in Dak. And with the weapons around him, I think that you could see an MVP caliber season that has him coming to the table next year saying it's $45 million a year now, guys. Like instead of whatever, 35, mm-hmm. 40 that he was going to be asking for with the four-year deal, he's going to be asking for a Mahomes deal saying, I'm a league MVP. I got you through the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Time to cut a check. And they don't have the financial stability. They don't have the financial flexibility right now to franchise Dak again next year. His franchise number is going to take them outside of the cap already. So they're going to have to make hard decisions outside of Dak Prescott because they were not able to get this done in that $35 million range this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I think you explained that very, very well. I'm not as big of a Dak believer as you, and I'm not sure getting through just the divisional round kind of gets him that, uh, that, yeah, but an MVP, power. An MVP, an MVP, an MVP oh, okay, fine, yeah. fair enough. An MVP would. I, I as much as I like Dak Prescott, I, I'm not. I don't like him on your level. I, I don't think he's quite an MVP candidate. Um, but uh, I'm interested to see now what this does also for negotiations next year. Because I, if you're Dak, you're you're not thrilled that this team that you've kind of been with for you know, you've been loyal to. Obviously, they drafted you. you you've kind of been with for a while. You've helped lead them to success. Kind of couldn't just. It's not like you were asking for the world. You weren't asking them to break the bank. You were asking for one more year. Or sorry, one less year. He wanted the four years, right? Yeah. It, it, it seems like a lack of loyalty almost on the Cowboys' part. And if he does go out and kind of shove this year, I think you're right. I think he asked for more than the Cowboys want because I don't think he'd be too happy with them. Because he, you see them be loyal to Amari Cooper, who they had for one year. They, you see them be loyal to Ezekiel Elliott, who they had for less time than Dak. And it comes time to pay your quarterback the most important, t- most important player on the team. And you can't come to terms over the difference of one year. Um, I think for me that would speak volumes if I'm Dak Prescott. Before we move on here, just one interesting note. Only two other quarterbacks have played out a season under the franchise tag. Kirk Cousins is one. 
Kirk Cousins uh, twice was franchise tagged in Washington before going and getting a long-term deal in Minnesota. Drew Brees was the first, uh, and he was franchised in San Diego before going to New Orleans. So neither of the two previous franchise tagged quarterbacks that played the season under the tag continue to play football for that team for the long term. So just some statistical reference there. Uh, not saying Dak Prescott is going to be in a Bears uniform. Dak to the Bears next year? Conversation. Dak to the Bears? Day, oh, God. I can't do it right now. I just can't I do it right now. I don't have it. I don't have it in me, Matt. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the state was phenomenal. <laughs>